Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Let me bless you. Let me bless you as we get going. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today. Whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with this in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. Amen. All right. Today we come to the end of our Moses series. If you are new here or visiting, I've got a lot to catch you up on. So I've got a messy map. The messy map here will will help us all kind of catch up. You can basically break down Moses' life into three 40-year periods of time. Uh, So you got the first 40 years, the red area, where Moses is there, prince of Egypt, and he's there. Um, He knows by the age of 40 that God has called him to set God's, uh, be part of delivering God's people from slavery. He, he knows God's mission, but he doesn't know God's method. And so he murders someone, and that, in effect, ends his 40-year uh, time in Egypt. And he runs down the Red Road to Midian to escape. So that's his first 40 years. The second 40 years takes place in Midian in the green area, and that's where he is a shepherd, and he's married to Zipporah, and has two sons, that's about all we know. And then he uh, has an encounter with God at a shrub that's burning, but it's not. But it's burning, but it's not, and that's, that's the point. And, God, and Moses goes over there, and God calls him by name, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. So, and God commissions him to go back and lead God's people out of their slavery. So he goes back and he spends about a year confronting Pharaoh. Ten plagues go on and ultimately God's people leave Egypt and leave the land of slavery. There's a lot to those stories, but this is the simplified version. They follow the blue roadish and they head out back to Midian to Mount Sinai to the same mountain where the burning bush was. So then they're there for about a year. And then it's time to leave Mount Sinai and they head to the promised land up the purple road. They go to the edge of the promised land. They send in spies and God's people decide, no, you know what? After all this, we don't trust God to go with us and before us. We have no courage for this. And what we would like to do instead is kill Moses and Aaron and return to Egypt, the land of our slavery. That doesn't go over well with God. And so they end up spending the next 40 years wandering There's only a few places that they can go that have enough water for the quantity of people we're talking about. But wandering in that area for approximately 40 years. Now we are at uh, Moses' 120th year. 
according to the Bible. He's 120 years old. Uh, and we are at that red or orange square, or basically faded square, uh, up there with the, the star in it. We're on the plains of Moab, right across from Jericho, where God's people are going to cross after Moses dies. Oops, I gave it away. So that, that's what we're talking about today. The picture of, uh, for this area, uh, kind of an aerial view. And you can see in the, the plains of Moab, that's where God's people are camped, which is on the other side of the Jordan River. We are kind of an aerial view from above Jericho at this point. Uh, you can see Mount Nebo, where Moses is going to go up there, and he is going to die. We're kind of looking at a reverse view of what Moses is going to be viewing when he's on Mount Nebo looking back this way. Waving. Hi, Moses. Uh, so that, that sort of thing. They're down there. You can see the top of the Dead Sea. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the setting. Those are the settings of where we're at. A lot of it's going to be taking place down there in the valley and on the plains of Moab. And then Moses when he goes up there. Anything else I need to cover in our recap? No. So what we're going to focus on here, of all the things that we could focus on as we wrap up this series, I want, to, I want to talk about five things. Five things that we see at the very end of Moses' life, or things that, he, that we are seeing as he commissions the next generation, specifically Joshua. Five things that are going to help people in the future know what does it take to follow God well all the way to the end. What does it take to follow God? Well, all the way to the end. Remember, Moses did not follow God perfectly. He didn't follow God perfectly. In fact, in his life, he made some really, really big mistakes. He had, he had to suffer some major, major consequences to those mistakes. But what makes Moses a great guide for us uh, when it comes to following God well isn't the fact that he was perfect, but the fact that he persevered. Isn't the fact that he's perfect? Sometimes we, we, we get caught up with this idea of being perfect as Jesus is perfect. Great. We're going for that. We're going for that. But, but in our shortcomings there, Jesus makes up for all the difference in his perfection. Jesus makes up for the imperfections. And he calls us to persevere. To keep going. Uh, whether things go good or not. And, and that's what Moses described as. Someone who persevered. Okay. Our first two powerful lessons today are looking at... Moses here at the end. And, and these, these are these two lessons that always hang with me. I, I, I cherish these lessons. These ones are a very big deal to me personally. But I'm going to set them up today by reading from Numbers chapter 27. This is what we read in Numbers 27 verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain of the Abraham range and see the land that I've given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you will also be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother was. When the community quarreled in the wilderness of Zin, both, you, both of you rebelled against my command to demonstrate my holiness in their sight at the waters. Those were the waters of Meribah, also called Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. Now, a few weeks ago we talked about this, but if you're visiting, this is the moment where Moses was commanded to speak to the rock, and instead, he decided to strike the rock. And the consequences of that, he finds out that that means he's never going to be able to go into the promised land. He's going to die before they go into the promised land. And this is a huge blow to Moses. This is a huge blow. For, for almost 40 years, he has been leading God's people, and it's been awful for him so many times. The quarreling, 
the grumbling, the let's kill Moses chanting, the, 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 uh, the let's go back to Egypt. Why do we have to eat this stupid, miraculously provided food every day? Why can't we have other foods? Where, why can't we have cucumbers? I mean, just the, 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 the whinging and, and the rebellion and the turning against and the complaining. and it, it, So many times Moses is just like, God, I can't do this. And, and he's throwing himself before the Lord. Anyways, so it, after all that he's endured, he's, he's now being told he's not going to be able to get into the promised land, but he's upset about that. In fact, I'm going to read how he feels about this in Deuteronomy chapter 3. It says, I commanded Joshua at that time, your own eyes have seen everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms you're about to enter. Don't be afraid of them, for the Lord your God fights for you. At that time, I begged the Lord, Lord God, you have begun to show your greatness and your strong hand to your servant. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can perform deeds and mighty acts like yours? Please, let me cross over and see the beautiful land on the other side of the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. The Lord said to me, that's enough. Don't, do not speak to me again about this matter. Go to the top of Pishka and look to the west, south, sorry, west, north, south, and east, and see it with your own eyes, for you will not cross the Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will cross over ahead of the people and enable them to inherit this land that you will see. There's two lessons connected to this that I, I find really uh, powerful and lessons that I am wanting to deeply incorporate into all of my life the kinds of lessons that it takes to finish well. Not just live well today, but to, to finish well, to be following God all the days of our life. The first lessons when it comes to Moses here at the end, and is specifically connected to his failure at when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Number one is get back up even after your biggest failures. You want to be following God to the end, that means you have to get back up even after your biggest... The, the liar, the deceiver, the enemy, the accuser, the accuser, he, he wants you, newsflash, he wants you to stop following God. That's what he wants. He wants you to stop following God. And one of his biggest uh, weapons against you is directing your right feelings of, oops, I, I, I feel convicted. I, I have sinned. I have failed. I have fallen. I have rebelled against God. I have not obeyed. Whatever it is. He takes your right feelings of conviction and he directs you and taunts you and teases you and lies to you so that you take those right feelings of I have fallen short and gets you to misapply them by giving up on God. But by, by quitting. By stop trying to follow God anymore. The accuser accuses you and he, and he, he lies in your that, that, hey, you can't do it. Proven. So give up. Or he lies to you about God. God, he might love you, but he doesn't really like you right now. So why don't you give him some space for a few years? 
He's just trying to get you to not, not be connected with God. This is so common. People sin. They feel guilty. They fall away from God. They fall away. Their, their relationships break apart because they can't forgive themselves. Or there's sin that breaks relationship. And then they apply the same thing to God and they give up on God and they stop following God. They just give up, but don't give up. Don't stop following God, no matter how big your, your crashes. Perseverance, getting back up again, is more important than perfection. I suppose it comes down to a very simple question, but I'm going to say it three times in three different ways. Do you really believe in grace? Do you really believe in your forgiveness? Maybe I should make it more personal. In your grace for you, in forgiveness for you, for everything. Do you really believe God loves you? Like loves you. Even, even with what's going on, even in your worst, worst moments, he, he does love you. He does forgive you. He's, he loves granting you grace. The, the proof, though, of someone who believes this about God, that there's grace, that there's forgiveness, that there's, there's love, is that failing and falling doesn't drive you to run away from God. But instead, it drives you to return to God, to run to God. I messed up. Forgive me. And you get to hear those words, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Some of you, you need to draw a line in your past. You need to draw a line on, on your mistakes. The past is the past. It happened. It was probably evil, awful. You feel terrible about it. You need to draw a path. You messed up. You feel. And today you need to draw a line. And you need to say, God loves me. God forgives me. There's grace for all of it all. And I'm now going to step back towards Jesus and run after him today. It's the only way you get to be following God all the way to the end. Is if you understand these treasures, truths. That even when we fail, in our biggest failings, we can step back to God. There might be consequences, but we can step back for that love and grace and forgiveness. Moses is inspiring when it comes to how he follows God well, even in his biggest failures. But the second thing about, about Moses in this moment is, number two, following God when it won't lead to your desired future. Following God this is how you persevere with God. Following God when it won't lead to your desired future. Moses has massive and obvious disappointment that after all these years, after, after all these awful years, he is not going to reach where he has been trying to get for the last 40 years of his life. His mission. His goal. Sometimes we endure things so that we can get to the goal as opposed to enduring things because we want to follow God only wherever he leads us if you're following so that you receive this goal in this lifetime and when that goal turns out it's not going to come to about in your experience where does your faith go then but if you're if you're wired to follow god wherever he leads whatever the cost whatever the reward well then that's that's a very significant shift especially like what moses is experiencing where he finds out he's not going to get to that long desired outcome that reward that he's going for one of the things I, 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 I marvel is that 
he doesn't quit on God. He doesn't give up once he finds out he's never going to get to his goal. Once God says, you're not going in, I think it's to be like, well then, pick your next person. I'm tired of suffering in this now when you won't get me where I want to go in this life. I mean, I see this all the time with people in life, and there's all kinds of, right, the, 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 the basic ones, you know, God, I wanted to be married by now. I, I, I want to be happy, and I want to be married, as if those work together all the time, but I want to be happy, and I want to be married, and, and, I, and so, you know, like, if you're not getting me to marriage where I'll be happy, then, then, I, then I, I give up on you, or the people who are married are like, I, I, I want to be happy, and so I want to be unmarried, and, and so I'm going I, to give up on this, it's like, what? Like, no, 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 I'm following God, right? I'm following God, not my happiness value. Not, not, my, not my passion for happiness or for, for my, my better experience. I just marvel at Moses. I marvel at him. 40 years, suffering, straining, and now he knows he won't be in the wrong. He's crushed by it, but he keeps following God. Whatever the disappointments, whatever the challenges, whatever the life throws your way that is not how you would prefer it to be, following God is following God through it all. So here we are, uh, kind of at the end here with Moses. And before he is going to go up on that mountain, he asks God to appoint the next leader. And let me just read how the wording here because it's it's quite significant in numbers 27 it says this in numbers 27 starting in verse 15 so moses appealed to the lord may the lord the god who gives breath to all that's a that's a name of god the god who gives breath to all i i worked that into my prayers this week um that's kind of fun you know sometimes you find a name of god and you're like okay god you know, I'm, I'm looking for help in this situation. The one who gives breath to all, find me someone who you've given breath to. The right person. Okay, anyways, off track. Uh, the, one, the, the God who gives breath to all, appoint a man over the community who will go out before them and come back in before them and who will bring them out and bring them in so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord replied to Moses, Joshua. Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Have him stand before the priest Eliezer and the whole community and commission him in their sight. Confer some of your authority on him so that the entire Israelite community will obey him. He will stand before the priest Eliezer who will consult the Lord for him with the decision of the Urim. He and all the Israelites with him, even the entire community, will go out and come back at his command. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before the priest Eliezer and the entire community, laid his hands on him, and commissioned him as the Lord had spoken through Moses. What I want to point out here is that Moses did not pick Joshua. The God who gives breath to all picked Joshua. Why? Like, why not Caleb, for instance? I mean, Caleb, Caleb is a, a, a godly man. He loves God. He's full of faith. He's older than Joshua by about 20 years, but not too old. Uh, what's 20 years? Between friends, right? He's, he's older than Joshua, but he's proven himself. He's brave. He's a great leader. He's a man of God, a, you know, all this kind of stuff. Why, why not Caleb? Well, we don't know 
maybe why not Caleb, but we do see something in Joshua's life that makes him stand out, even though he has those same attributes of courage and boldness. And the thing that we keep seeing through the whole journey of, of Joshua's life is that more than anyone in this era, he seems to have, um, fascination is not the right, a, geez, an obsession, an obsession with being in God's presence. An obsession with being close to God. And he's learned that by watching Moses, but he's also learned it from experience. Remember, Moses goes up on the top of Mount Sinai for 40 days. Joshua was with him on that mountain when he's meeting with God. Joshua was there. Now, in, in, in Exodus 33, we read this um, when they're in the camp. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friends, friend, then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Joshua was in the tent when Moses is speaking with God face to face. After he, Moses would leave, Joshua would not leave. He would stay there. He'd stay there in that meeting place with God. Moses modeled this for Joshua. Mo Moses, Moses modeling for Joshua. Like, this is how you, you follow God. Following well, God well begins here. It, it must always start with prioritizing that alone time with God, that, that communication with God, speaking to God, hearing from God. In fact, if you want to make an impact for God, I'm sure you do, if you want to make an impact for God, it starts by cultivating your closeness with God. It starts by cultivating your closeness with God, developing and, and prioritizing your Jesus time. It's the most important thing you can do to, to, to set up a life that really makes a difference for God. And, that, and that's number three, as you can see on the screen. You've got to begin with prioritizing consistent closeness with God. If you're feeling stuck or you're feeling ineffective or you're feeling like you wish you were having a bigger impact with Jesus, start with your Jesus time and begin, begin by prioritizing that. This, this was not the intention. I wasn't trying to do this, but on Thursday, I'm releasing my next podcast, which is, you don't have to listen to. It's fine. Uh, Reawakening podcast. But I'm going to be talking about my Jesus time and what I do in the Jesus time, and, and how I structure my Jesus time, and what's going on there. Uh, it's the Reawakening podcast. If you, if you want to see more about cultivating your own Jesus time, maybe you'll um, pick up a tip there. I haven't recorded it. I have no idea what I'm going to say, but it's, it's going to be good, I'm sure. Following God begins with prioritizing consistent closeness with Jesus. Moses lived it. Joshua picked that up, and when the God who gives breath to all picked his leader, he picked the one who spent a lot of time with him. So then Moses gives these wise words of direction to those who are following him, Joshua and those who are following him, about what is it going to take to follow God well. And we read this in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give their ancestors. You will enable them to take possession of it. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. 
Courage required. Following God, if you want to follow God well, courage is required. And, and it starts with like, be strong. Uh, internally resilient. Internal strength. Moses knows how important it is to have in, internal resilience. Strength. Whatever comes against him. Be courageous. Later the word is going to be bold. Be bold. Be bold and courageous. At the end of the passage, not to be afraid. You know that you don't have to be driven by fears and anxieties. You can, re, you can say, no, I am not going to follow my anxieties. I'm not going to live my life based on my fears. Don't give way to fear and don't be discouraged. Do you know you can say no to being discouraged? You can look around and everything's not going very well for you and things are falling apart. You don't have to be discouraged by it. You can say, no, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be discouraged. How do you do that? Well, we can, we, we'll talk about that in a moment. But, but you, I fight this all the time. Like, I see what's happening. I'm like, nope, not going to be discouraged by this. I'm not, this is my words. I'm not going to let this get to me. I say that to myself all, all the time. I'm not going to let this get to me. Now remember the context here, and I, I want to keep saying this every time we talk about courage, because courage uh, isn't just a call to courage for courage's sake. Courage just to be courageous leads to a lot of stupid. This is courageous in following God, and that's really crucial. We, we're not just to be courageous, we're courageous in following God. Around our, our church here, we call it gutsy faith. We're called to have gutsy faith, and it's not just something we say. This is very much a reality in my life and in our church, and we get tested on this all the time. I've been leading this church since we started in 2005, and, and for all this time, I keep getting tested, and we keep getting tested on a church, as a church. Are we going to continue to be courageous in following God? Or are we going to say, enough is enough. I'm no longer following God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simmer on where, where we've come with God. And, and this, is, this is as far as I'm going to go. In 2010, 11, when this building was an option, uh, one of my buddies who had been helping me start the church from the very beginning was like, no, Brian, this is too risky. We don't even know what could possibly be wrong with the place. Let's not do it. And I was like, this is a very obvious God thing. We are, we are doing this. Uh, he left. He left. It, it, it's sad, but like part of, there, there's always some, some courage moments required. Yes, we don't even know what could possibly be wrong. Uh, but we, we trust God. If God is calling us to do it, we, we step forward anyways. It came time with Southside. With Southside, and, and our, you know, we're, you know, this is 2018. If that didn't work out, that was going to be very devastating for the church. It would be very difficult. But we felt like God was in it, and we had to risk it all. And it turned out to be fine. Jesus was in it. He was leading. And, and, and so far, so great. Right now, Paisley. Paisley. Remember last October. God, I don't have any money. It's COVID right now. I don't have any leaders. I, I, there, there's nothing. We don't have anything right now. This is a big, big step. It's putting all the church on the line. One of our, at one of our elders meeting, I don't do all this discernment alone, but one of our elders in the elders meeting was like, house of cards, Brian. God's saying, build a house of cards. And it's going to all fall apart unless God proves that he's in it. Like, that's awful. <laughs> that is exactly not what I want to hear. Like, that, that's, like who wants to build a house of cards? That's not what, I'm, what, what we're trying to do. But the whole point was, trust me, it's going to look weak, but God's going to prove that he's in it. 
So far, so great. But, but, but throughout, throughout all the time, we're called to trust God and be courageous, keep putting things out there and, and not trying to make sure that our faith steps are within our, about, our, our ability to save ourselves if it doesn't work out. If we're following God, it means at any moment we're willing for everything to be on the table every time. In fact, my definition of being too old to lead is based on that moment, may it never come, where I say, no more. I have risked and risked and risked, but now I will no longer put everything on the table. That's when I'm too old to leave, and I lead, and I need to step down. And so far, so far, so terrifying. So here we go. We're, we're, still, we're still going there. But again, that's, that's, the, that's the call to be courageous in, in following God. But you've got to be following God. And fifthly, following God well over a lifetime, you've got to be anchored in the certainty that the God, that God uh, goes before you, is with you, and will never leave you or abandon you. Sorry I did this out of order, uh, but going back to the verse there in, in verse 31, in Deuteronomy, it said, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. This is, this is Moses giving directions. He will be, he will, the one who, go, who will go before you, he will be with you, he will not leave you or abandon you. Back to the point, point five, anchor in the certainty that God goes before you, is with you, and will never leave you or abandon you. Our courage starts with hearing from God. At our Jesus time, which direction, God, are you leading? That's the way I'm going to follow but we, we walk that way because we stand in the certainty that the God who doesn't lie is actually going to be with us. He is actually not going to leave us or abandon us. And if we are following him, if we're following him, he's going to be going before us. Now, I make that, that caveat because no matter what happens, God is with you. No matter what path you go, God is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. But the question is, is God going before you? And that's a question mark. God goes before you as you are following him. Because by definition, you're following him, therefore he's before you. God is going before you as, he's, as you're following him. But if he's going before you and you're going a different direction... Well, he's going that way. He's, he's, follow, he's, he's before you in the way that he wants you to go. He's going before you in the path that he's calling you to walk. But if you decide to walk a different path, well, he's, going, he's trying to lead you that way. So he's, in, he's leading. He's in front of you that way. But if you're not following, example, the 12 spies. So the 12 spies, they come back, and, and they were supposed to go into the land but instead, God says, okay, no, no more going into the land. Now we're going into the wilderness for 40 years. And so God's leading them into the wilderness. But a group from the nation, a lot of people, they decide to go back and try and take the land. But God's leading them away from the land now. And they decide to go into the land. God does not go before them. Because God's leading them this way. And he goes before them when they're following him. Maybe you're like, man... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is or isn't going on in your life, but if, you're, if, you're, if it does not feel like God is going before you, 
what are you following is probably a great question to ask. Or, or am I looking at my life and I'm seeing like, okay, I'm not following God in this aspect. I'm not following God in this aspect. I'm definitely not really following God in this back aspect. Why is, why is he not going before me? Why is he not making my path straight? Why is he not interve intervening on, on my way? He's with you, yes. But is he before you? Well, that's, that's an issue of he is before you, but he's before you on the path he wants to lead you on. Are you on that path? I love Moses. I, lo I, love, I love the journey that he's on. Moses' life is a testimony, it's a witness, it's a, it's a great example of how to follow Jesus all the way to the end, especially if you're not perfect. How to get back up, how to keep going. And so the challenge for today is this. I want you to identify which of these five points uh, was for you today and decide what your next steps are going to be. We talked about five different things connected to what does it take to follow God well. Which one needs some attention? And what are you going to do about it? It would be atrocious if I didn't end our Moses series by reading the last chapter, last few verses here in Deuteronomy when it comes to Mo the end of Moses' uh, life. And so I'm just going to end just with these verses from Deuteronomy 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pishka, which faces Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor. The Lord then said to him, this is the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross into it. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the Lord's word. He buried him, God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab facing Beth Peor. And no one to this day knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak and his vitality had not left him. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all of his officials, and to all his land and for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. God, I thank you for the life of Moses, a, a life of, of faith, 
of failing, of struggling, of stumbling, of victory, of wow moments for good and wow moments for mistakes. God, I just thank you for the huge spectrum. I thank you that you have recorded these words and preserved them through the ages. Father, we thank you for this example. And God, we thank you even more for Jesus. We thank you for the grace and the forgiveness. We thank you for the, the, uh, the way that Jesus makes right and will make right in the end all that is wrong. God, I thank you for uh, this time. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.